Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. We're going to jump into marriage next for our March Madness series, because when you hit a rocky patch in your marriage partner relationship, it definitely makes everything feel harder, including motherhood, and it can drive you mad. I am excited today to bring you Kaylee Kemp. She wrote the book, The 8080 Marriage with her husband, Nate. Welcome, Kaylee. Thank you. So good to be here. I am so excited to have you on because when I read the book, the introduction made me laugh so hard that I knew that I needed to talk to you because you obviously had like actual lived experience of trying to figure out how to do a relationship. The stories are all true, embarrassing, <laughs> and all true. Okay, so first, let's learn a little bit about you. You and Nate have been married for how long? Now, 17 years. Okay, and you have one daughter, or? We have, yeah, we have one daughter. She is a fourth grader. Awesome. And Nate and my story is an interesting one because we were high school sweethearts. So in some ways, there's this fantastical fairy tale the seniors in high school who go to prom together break up for seven years but true love brings them back together <laughs> that's and so that, true you're right you're you're living in every disney movie basically if only there were a happily ever after with a rainbow and a princess gown that would be me except that we both know that's not exactly how the story plays out and so after we'd been married for about two years, we had our crucible moment around, are we gonna make it? And if we are, how do we need to do this a different way? And, and, and it, it happens to every couple at some point. Um, and once you, was your daughter born at that moment, right? So there's really actually two crucible moments. So crucible moment number one is when we are not sure that we're gonna stay married. Um, long story short, my husband actually, we had a bike accident, he fell, he experienced a traumatic brain injury, and the recognition of who is this person who I'm with, how do we engage with each other, were we supporting each other in the ways that were actually skillful, mm -hmm. or driving each other toward our worst patterns. That was crucible number one, we made it through. Crucible number two was after our daughter was born, where all of the patterns of I could be the over contributor, he could be the under contributor. We yep. can actually cobble that together and make it work. Once she was actually a kindergartner was when we had this moment, we recognized she was gonna come home from the bus at three and someone needed to greet her at the bus because a kindergartner is illegal as a latchkey kid. Yeah, and yeah, kindergartners have to have someone. They have to have an adult there to greet them. And it was going to blow us up if we tried to do it the way that we had done it before. And we knew that we needed different tools, different strategies, new insights if we were going to be skillful as parents. It's such a big moment. Um, 
I I know that parenthood alone, mothering has brought like the best personal development course that I could ever buy, right? Like it, it has showed me all the parts. And then you add this relationship, this marriage part of it, that is a whole different element of parenting because because you want to hopefully stay together. Yes, yes. I think that you said it really well, Christy, when we were talking earlier, that when your marriage is in a great place, it makes parenting and mothering easier. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I would ever see that parenting is easy. <laughs> My best friend and I have this saying, we're like, parenthood, it, it's not for wimps. No. <laughs> and, and there's a way that when your marriage is in a tough spot mm-hmm. and when it feels like there's conflict and fighting over fairness and not supporting each other in your marriage, it makes parenting nearly impossible. Absolutely. It, it overshadows everything. When you're arguing over simple things, it really makes it harder to find the positive and find anything good. And your kids pick up on all of that. Absolutely. So your book focuses on this idea of an 80-80 marriage, which isn't mathematically possible. No, it turns out the math doesn't work at all, but that's, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> but it also helps you break down of the old mindsets of marriage, which were 80-20, which is what's in a good example of that? So 80-20, we want to go back in time, think 1950s. And really what was happening in that era is women didn't have very many choices about what they could do outside of the home. And so in that model, the woman stereotypically became responsible for the well-being of the marriage. She was 80% responsible. And typically the husband was only 20% responsible. Mm -hmm. And now looking back at that through my 2020 glasses, I can say, oh my goodness, there are so many things wrong with that. That was radically unfair. My feminist gets all agitated. But I think it's really valuable to recognize there were some things that were great about mm-hmm. that model, namely that you were on the same team with your partner. Yes. I also really want to distinguish that 80-20 then was because there were no other choices. Mm-hmm. Couples right. now that choose their roles where they say, hey, I'm going to devote my energy to our family, to our home, and you're going to devote your energy outside the home professionally, and we're a united front, we're a team, that still falls within 8080. So I want to caveat that as we talk about the other pieces. I um, love that you're mentioning that because in my relationship, my husband's active duty military. So it kind of shakes out best for both of us to have what looks like a more traditionally defined roles. But there's so many layers of communication that have made that feel good to both of us. A hundred percent, Christy, because what I don't imagine happens is that your husband comes home and is like, oh, you have to do that because that's your job with a tone of disrespect, no. with a tone of you can't, of course not. But that's one of the main ways that we differentiate is that when both partners say we're a team, this shakes out best for both of us. That to me is 80-80. That's good to hear because yeah, when when you read this from potentially like sitting this my sort of position, you're like, oh, am I included in this? or not. Yes. Yes. 
Because what I think the the real foil for modern couples yep. is 50-50. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, the tip for tat. Everything has to be fair. I hate the word fair. Well, mostly because it doesn't exist. Yeah. But <laughs> in researching this book, we interviewed, we did about 100 interviews with couples, all walks of life, all political spectrums. And what we learned is that fairness isn't real. Yep. That as soon as you're trying to decide, well, how many loads of laundry do you need to do to make up for the water that I got for the kid in the middle of the night who was up? Oh. How many back scratches do you need to do for the child who's having a nightmare? Before, I, it, it's yeah. impossible. The math cannot work, which is where in some ways our whole idea with 80-80 is to strive to contribute 80%. Yeah. Knowing the math doesn't work, when I'm trying to do more than my quote-unquote fair share, yep. it takes away all of that competition and it makes room for a mindset of radical generosity. I love that phrase because I think that if you approach marriage and approach your relationship with that you're both working for what's best for each other with an open hand, then you're going to meet each other where you are in a much healthier way, even on your bad days, right? Because part of that 80-80 mindset is actually being vulnerable with your partner and showing up in that way. Absolutely. That the three pieces, the three building blocks of a mindset of radical generosity. One is about contribution. Mm -hmm. How am I giving to my partner? How am I giving to our relationship? How am I giving to our family in ways that matter, in ways that feel like contribution? And it's actually, as you're describing, quite vulnerable to name the ways that contribution feels meaningful and doesn't. Yes. That, <laughs> Sometimes I was I was just in this really interesting conversation with an individual yesterday and she was saying, Kaylee, I don't care about acts of service. I just don't care <laughs> that my spouse is picking up the toys and that he's you know cleaning the counters. He was like, they were saying, I recognize I'm really in a, a lovely position, but the nanny can do that. I don't want him to do that. I want him to pay attention to me. Yep. And so recognizing that the things that he was doing were contributing. Absolutely. Land. And that vulnerable conversation to say, this is what really matters to me is a key piece. It is a giant piece. And it takes a lot of work to be able to get there, to feel safe enough to talk about it. Because on TV shows, right, or books we read, people aren't talking about, if you pick up a romance novel, right, or anything that's sold to women, <laughs> you're not going to get this piece of let's sit down and talk about how you uh, aren't meeting me where I am or how I'm not meeting where you are. Yes. And that vulnerability, those conversations we talk about as revealing. So the building blocks are contribution, appreciation, and revealing. And appreciation in some ways is a little bit self-explanatory. Can I put on the glasses of appreciation? Yes. Can I catch my partner doing something good? I would love to come back to this because I think the glasses of appreciation are also huge with our kids that that gets. Absolutely. 
and contribution or excuse me and revealing is about this vulnerability of being willing to sit down and say hey this is important to me mm -hmm. this matters to me this upset me and i want to talk it through rather than hoping that you'll read my mind or just stuffing it down and presenting <laughs> sweeping you it under the rug and waiting exactly. for the next exactly. moment where it just kind of explodes like a volcano yeah. and it takes your partner by surprise completely and i think that revealing can sound scary mm -hmm. oh no that means that we're going to be deep in conflict or oh no that means we're going to be talking about all the hard stuff revealing can also be let's ask each other different questions hey, how do you know that i really love you yeah well, that gives me an avenue to say oh gosh i could do more of those things yeah yeah and it's not so scary when totally. you ask those questions it's like oh that's it like that's what makes you feel loved got it i can totally make your coffee and walk it out to the car with you in the morning yes and isn't it funny how often the little things are the ones that are most significant mm -hmm. that just last night, my husband and I were going to bed and he does the final tuck in. And for the two nights prior, it's, it's been a week and I fell asleep before he made it back from final tuck in. Yeah. And as he was leaving to go tuck in our daughter, he said, Hey, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a couple days. <laughs> and I heard that and said, it sounds to me like it's important to you that I stay up tonight. And he said, would you? And as you know, right before we fell asleep and had a conversation, he mm -hmm. appreciated me. Kaylee, it was, it was really meaningful that you stayed up, that we had this conversation. I feel so much closer. This was not, I planned a miraculous trip to Fiji. <laughs> this was, I stayed awake for 25 more minutes. Yeah, that you heard that bid for connection and that you responded yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so important to be able to listen carefully without being defensive when we listen. Yes. yes, and even just to recognize how quickly and easily I can get defensive. <laughs> yep, especially if you're if you're coming at it, right, with the mindset of I'm doing more or I'm so tired, my week has been bad, you haven't even noticed. If yes. you start to do that fairness jive in your head, which is really where those words come from. Exactly. And recognizing that tit for tat, recognizing that really typically what's happening is I just want my partner to also see me. Yeah. There's a different way to come at it rather than what you're describing. Like you think you're tired. <laughs> Let me tell you about my competition doesn't work well, does it in a marriage? It just doesn't get us very far, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, there was a part of your book where you talk about shifting the idea of what's best for me versus what's best for everyone and making that family mindset. Um, I think at one point you called it like the family ink and then you guys came up with an acronym that combined all your letters together, which I love. What we found in our interviews is that most of us were trained since we were little to achieve on our own. Yep. That there's a lot of energy that goes into, hey, Christy, go to a great school or play on this sport team or it'd be first chair of your orchestra and you achieve for yourself. And then we get married and all of a sudden you're a unit and we're playing a team sport and we haven't been practiced at that very well in having that mindset come together. And what we recognized is it works sort of to be 
two individual contributors Mm -hmm. to have two parallel sort of success routes until you have kids. And once your parents together, that unified front, that unit, that notion of of shared success Mm -hmm. becomes essential. And to your point, in order to be able to think of it as a unit, it's helpful to be able to name it something else. Yeah. So we did, we named our team. So our family, we've named Kajona. It's the K-A from Kaylee. It's the N-A from Nate. And it's Joe for our daughter. And we'll do crazy things like, hey, I have a business trip. Is it a good idea for me to do that business trip? Yes, it is. (laughs) Is it a good idea for Nate for me to do that business trip? Eh, arguable. (laughs) What's best for Kajona gives us a different lens. How much disruption is that going to cause in the family? You know, what are the financial opportunities that are available with that? Mm -hmm. Recognizing how to answer that question differently takes us back to the bus. Yeah. That it was better for me if Nate met the bus at three. And it was better for Nate if I met the bus at three. Yep. And when we ask the question, what's best for Kajona, only then could we open our eyes to possibilities that we hadn't seen before. And so Nate actually went to 80% in the company that he co-founded. Wow. Because it was so important to us to have a parent greet our daughter when she got off the bus. And you had to have that big conversation of, this is the unit that matters the most. What's going to work for the three of us? For so many people, probably, these things happen without the awareness or mindfulness. They just get trapped into those roles or think that this is how it has to happen. You nailed it. When we were interviewing all of the couples, we would ask them, how did you decide who was going to do what in your relationship? And there would be this moment of awkward silence, and then they'd stare at us funny, (laughs) and then they would shrug their shoulders and say, we just kind of winged it. And so we officially named that the wing it approach. And <laughs> like eyeliner. Couples, yeah, exactly. And most couples will describe that. We just fell into our roles. And this is where sometimes we'll see historical accident. Yep. Sometimes we'll see modeling after what our parents did. And what we recommend in 8080 is having that conversation around, hey, let's be intentional about this. It's really important that the mindset comes first because occasionally couples will sit down and they'll say, we're going to decide who does what in our family. Oh, no. I got sent sent the most amazing spreadsheet where a couple had sat down. They both, I think, were prior management consultants and they. Oh, that's a whole love language there. Oh, my goodness. They had color coded this spreadsheet. They had labeled things. They had stack ranked it based on the difficulty of the task. Oh, gosh. And at the end of it. My heart what, is having palpitations thinking about this chart. <laughs> what was so amazing is that at the end of it, they said, Kelly, the thing that was so unfortunate is it just gave us more to fight about <laughs> because they were trying so hard to make everything fair, which doesn't exist. And so when they were able to come back to this question of roles from a mindset of radical generosity. Mm -hmm. How do we win as a team? What do you like to do? What are you good at doing? It was a totally different conversation. Very much. When you can grow into your talents and use them, right? Like you light up. You want to be 
used well. You want to do what you like most. Yes. And it's funny that often in couples, when we're striving for fairness, we miss that idea. So there is this wonderful conversation that I had where there is um, a man and a woman and they were trying to make sure that their meals were fair. And so they divided the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he was gonna cook, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, she was gonna cook, and Sunday they were gonna do takeout. And they were like, this is totally fair. (laughs) Well, the problem was he likes to cook and she dreads cooking. And so the quality of the meals were different. And then there was resentment around how many dishes were created. Oh, goodness. And at the end of it, the conversation that they had was, what if you cooked every day because that's relaxing for you, you love it, and I stocked all the ingredients because I actually quite enjoy going to the store. Totally different set. Same solution, meals get made. Probably a better solution because they actually enjoy sitting down now. (laughs) Exactly, because there isn't the resentment of how come this took me 45 minutes to do? I can do it in 15. Exactly. And the podcast that's coming out the week before this um, one, I hope people have listened. It's all about food and kids. And that's just a whole different ballgame of stress. When you add a picky eater in and then you're still trying to divide and conquer this way. Whoa, another parenting minefield. Oh. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like we need to take time for each other. And one of the ideas that you have is making sure that you're taking time for each other without the internet with you. (laughs) Yeah. What we've noticed is that our phones are now everywhere. Yep. In part because our calendars and our cameras and our access to be able to pick our kids up at car line all live on this device. Yes, they do. So it keeps us from being present with each other. And so it's not that our electronic devices in and of themselves are bad. It's that we've stopped being together. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I certainly am aware of the moment where we're together and we might even be out on a date and there's this conversation, hey, do we want to go to the Van Gogh Museum? Do we want to take the family to see that? Yeah, let's do that. And then what do you know? A phone is out and we're booking the tickets. And now we're forward into the future at the museum and we've lost the connection with our partner. Yeah. And so we really recommend kick your phone out of the bedroom. Yep. Kick your phone as much as possible out of whatever you do as your special time together, whether that's date night or for us, we're huge fans of date hike. Oh, yeah. I regularly will leave my phone and the conversations that we have on the trail because no one is emailing or texting or whatever it might be makes such a difference. I love dates that involve activity too because it just kind of breaks the ice of because after deployments we've definitely had this moment where you're starting to get to know each other again and that activity is kind of this buffer. So if you're not sure what to do, a long walk, or if you wanna go paddle boating or hiking, whatever you can do that kind of puts you side by side to each other instead of having to stare each other down. A hundred percent. There's interesting research that also supports this, that when you're moving in the same direction, psychically it has you feel more aligned because you're literally moving in the same direction. That's fantastic particularly if there's a conflict that you're working out with your Mm -hmm. partner, 
it's really beneficial to be on a paddleboard or on a walk where you're moving in the same direction because it helps not only with the endorphins that yeah. make the conflict feel navigable, but also that notion of we're a team. That that makes so much sense. Wow. I am so thankful that you guys took the time to write this book. Um, from the moment you started with hiding his running shoes, I knew that I wanted to read it. <laughs> I would like to believe I'm less juvenile. <laughs> so the story goes for people who haven't yet read the book that when Nate and I first moved in together, he would leave his running shoes right in front of the door and I would trip over them. And the conversations that went some version of, hey, babe, can you please move your running shoes? were not getting me the results <laughs> that I wanted. And so I hid his shoes in the cabinet that's above the refrigerator that I can't reach. I'm sure I used a stepladder to I'm get I'm sure there. it was very intentional to put them there. And so when he went to go for his next run, he was like, hey, babe, have you seen my shoes? I was like, yeah, I tripped over them. <laughs> and the scavenger hunt was not our most connected <laughs> moment of marriage nor was that ADAD, but it was certainly a moment where we recognized, all right, there's got to be a better way. Let's see if we can define it. Absolutely. Those moments are kind of the moments that I like to call the wet cement moments. We're like, okay, there, there's room for us to change a pattern here. And now yeah. we can see what's happening. Yeah. I love that you're naming patterns that have been sticky don't have to be permanent. Yes. And especially one of my favorite chapters in the book is the reluctant partner chapter mm -hmm. where couples who've recognized hey one of us is really doing more and the research is clear that more often than not that's the mom mm -hmm. is doing more and she's not crazy this is not that she's doing bad mental math right and yet the resentment that comes on the heels of that is completely detrimental to her as a mom, to her as a wife, mm -hmm. to her as a member of her family and in her life. And so recognizing that the patterns that have created that environment, she doesn't have to continue. Right. And so this wet cement, like, whoops, how do we smooth that out so that what we create long term, we interrupt some of the things that we might have been doing before. Yeah, because as you said in your book, it's all about changing you have to change that internal mindset when you yes. get to these moments yes. and embrace how will I show up here? Um, and which is, which is hard to do. So I'm glad that there's a book to help us talk about this because I don't remember, I don't know about you, but I don't really remember watching my parents struggle openly or maybe I didn't notice it, but maybe that they didn't really talk about it either or model it well. And I think one of the interesting things about writing a book about marriage that's different, I've written books about leadership in the past, my husband's written books about mindfulness yep. in the past, is that somehow in the psyche, we started believing that maybe we should just know how to do this. <laughs> and it's wild to me that people will tell stories of, I was, you know, I had your book on my bedside table and my partner said, are, are we okay? Okay. They said, oh yeah, I just believe that we can be better, that we can learn more, that right. there are tools that we can use that enhance us. And I think framing it that way in our relationships, we can all be better parents. 
Yes. Reading a book, listening to a podcast is all about being our best selves. The same is true about marriage. Reading a book, listening to this podcast is in service of being our best selves. It's not a knock against us for Yeah, it doesn't have to be this great big warning as I'm like pulling down the microphone, right? Like having a partner with a growth mindset towards your relationship, yes. right, is a really yes. healthy spot to be. Being uh -huh. curious about hey, I really like us. I want to last as long as possible. How can we do this together better? Yes. And using some of the language, or I even love in couples where one person is listening to this conversation and says, yep. oh, I want to try that. Use one of the exercises or use one of the questions that's in the book as a soft entry point. Hey, I was listening to my favorite podcast, you know, stay calm, mother on, and they had this guest and gosh, I was wondering if you'd be interested in sitting down to look at our priorities. Yes. It's kind of playful. It's a life report card, but the goal is to get Fs. How often do we get a chance where our goal is to get an F on a report card, right? That you can kind of induct your partner in in a playful way. Absolutely, because you don't want to come at it with uh, an attacking mode. That soft entry, when you come up, right? Like there's so much talk about that emotional, invisible mother load, right? Which is part of this 80-80 right? Yes. That the mom does so much and she realizes she's doing so much. But when she has that moment and freaks out, that soft entry is what's going to save her. Yes. If she freaks out in a way where everybody else gets blamed, then mom's the crazy one. Yes. If she can have the moment of freak out and realize this isn't sustainable, I could use some help. How can I create that for myself? And not in the let's add an additional burden way, mm -hmm. but in how can I draw in support in a way that they say, yes. oh, I want to do that. I want to know what is one simple way if parents are like, okay, we need to have a moment together and to come up with this radical generosity. What's an easy entry point for a mom? I would start if I were her from appreciation and I would give everyone in the family who can write a sticky yeah. note and a marker, and everybody gets to write a sticky note that says, I love you, or I appreciate you for, or good luck with. And that level of setting the emotional tone gives you a foundation. Yeah. To then be able to have a conversation primarily with your spouse, right. but also with your family yeah. and with your kids, how can we contribute in our family in ways that help us feel supported, in ways that we can be radically generous with each other? And having everyone in that from the foundation of feeling appreciative, yep. then I think sets the tone. Absolutely. That starting if, with connection first. A strong connection. connection that I see you and I'm glad you're here. Yes. Yes. That open heart allows us to make requests in ways that are really different if there isn't that openness. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a good spot to end this on. I really think people should go check out your blog, right? You have a website, 8080 Marriage. Yes. So if you go to 8080 Marriage, and this is so funny, Christy, I just found this out. 
anybody who's listening, somebody's um, transcription software turned that into ADHD. I was like, <laughs> oh no, it's 8080. Like the number's 8080. Isn't that funny? <laughs> so at, <laughs> at 8080 Marriage, we have a free epic date night guide for people looking for ideas. We have a weekly newsletter that's free where yes. every week we're exploring a topic about marriage. And if you're on Instagram every day at 8080 Marriage, we have an idea or a suggestion or I'd a challenge that. to help people keep enhancing their marriages. And that makes it so easy. If you're already going to be on Instagram, just friend it and it's going to pop up. It helps so much to just have those simple reminders. It's kind of like the post-it note that you're leaving for yourself that my marriage is important. Yes. Well, how are you taking care of yourself? What's your self-care right now, Kaylee? Do you have a self-care idea? Self-care for me is about connection and movement and going together. So just this morning before we were on this call, I did a loop around a lake near my house with my best friend and that feels like self-care for my body. It feels like self-care for my heart. It feels like self-care for my soul. So bringing those two together is a way that just, it fills me up. I adore that. That matters so much to be seen and safe in relationships. Yes. And then how are you having fun as a family? Because your family unit is important. Yeah. We are skiers here in Colorado. And just now, as our daughter is 10, she's turned into this cute, cool powder hound. And I cannot tell you how much fun and how much joy it brings me to follow this little powder hound down the mountain. That is so delightful. Oh, it's so much fun to watch our kids grow. And to surpass us in things. Uh-huh. I love this notion of for sure, this little one who I thought at one point in time was never going to graduate from pizza to French fries with her little skis. Now to watch her zoom past me or say like, mom, you're being so slow. It's really quite fun, especially as I would pride myself on being an excellent skier. So it's delight on so many levels. I adore that. It's that is just pure bliss right there. Well, you are exactly the right mom for your kiddo. And I am so glad you're here to have this conversation with me. And I hope you have a really amazing day. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for reminding moms every time that they are the right mom for their kiddo and also for supporting how marriage lets that feel really true. Thank you. I hope that you took something away from this episode that's going to strengthen the relationship you have in your marriage so you can be better together. Because while moms need other moms, a strong partner is a whole different thing. I want to invite you to help me learn more about you. In the show notes, there is a link to my very first ever listener survey. Please take the time to do that. On April 2nd, I will be doing a random drawing and picking one winner to give a $20 gift card to. So thank you for your time and thank you for letting me know you better. Like I said before, you are exactly the right mom for your kids and I am so glad you are here on earth with me. Now, 
go take that survey and text this episode to three friends. Bye, everyone. You're the best.